Chapter Number Twenty One of Bill Nye's Cordwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Bill Nye's Cordwood by Bill Nye. How Bill Nye failed to make the amend honorable. A pathetic incident. It is rather interesting to watch the manner by which old customs have been slightly changed and handed down from age to age. Peculiarities of old traditions still linger among us and are forked over to posterity like a rappy jawed teapot or a long time mortgage. No one can explain it, but the fact still remains patent that some of the oddities of our ancestors continue to appear from time to time clothed in the changing costumes of the prevailing fashions along with these choice antiquities and carrying the nut-brown flavor of the dead and relentless original amend in which the offender appeared in public clothed only in a cotton flannel shirt and with a rope around his neck as an evidence of a former recantation down to this day when sometimes the pale editor in a stickful of type admits that his informant was an error the amend honorable has marched along with the easy tread of time the blue-eyed molder of public opinion with one suspender hanging down at his side and writing on a sheet of news copy paper has a more extensive costume perhaps than the old-time offender who bowed in the dust in the midst of the great populace and with a halter under his ear admitted his offence but he does not feel any more cheerful over it i have been called several times to make the amend honourable and i admit that it is not an occasion of much mirth and merriment people who come into the editorial office to invest in a retraction are generally healthy and have a stiff reserved manner that no cheerfulness or hospitality can soften i remember an incident of this kind which occurred last summer in my office while i was writing something scathing a large man with an air of profound perspiration about him and a plaid flannel shirt stepped into the middle of the room and breathed in all the air that i was not using he said he would give me four minutes in which to retract and pulled out a watch by which to ascertain the exact time i asked him if he would not allow me a moment or two to step over to a telegraph office to wire my parents of my awful death he said I could walk out that door when I walked over his dead body. Then I waited a long time, till he told me my time was up, and asked me what I was waiting for. I told him I was waiting for him to die, so that I could walk over his dead body. How could I walk over a corpse until life was extinct? He stood and looked at me at first in astonishment, afterward in pity, 
Finally, tears welled up in his eyes and plowed their way down his broad and grimy face. Then he said, I need not fear him. You are safe, said he. A youth who is so patient and cheerful as you are, one who would wait for a healthy man to die so you could meander over his pulseless remnants, ought not to die a violent death. A soft-eyed seraph like you, who is no more conversant with the ways of the world than that, ought to be put in a glass vial of alcohol and preserved. I came up here to kill you and throw you into the rainwater barrel, but now I know what a patient disposition you have. I shudder to think of the crime I was about to commit. End of chapter 21 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.